His reign, selfishness gives way to generosity. Cries of self-reliance become cries of dependent prayer. Bitterness is replaced by forgiveness, and anxiety and fear evaporate in the light of the king's love and care. We have a new king. We have a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is replacing the kingdom of me. Hey, oh, hey, clapping, how nice. My name's Andrew, what's up, guys? Um, so when Courtney announced that I was gonna speak, somebody, I think over here was like, woo, who was that? Who gave a woo? <laughs> Whoever, thank you, Anthony, was it really you? All right. <laughs> and then somebody else was like, yay. Okay, so um, my name's Andrew. I haven't met a lot of you, and... Um, it's been years since I spoke here in our youth ministry, and I'm back now, Shug Forever. I live in Washougal. I just moved there on Friday. Shug Forever, anybody? Washougal residents? Yeah. Dude, raise it up high. Dude, Washougal residents, stand to your feet. Everybody from the Shug. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nine of us. Nine of us. The rest of you guys are from other places. That's excellent. <laughs> All right. So, Shug forever. Cody's from the Shug, but he's going to be standing up the whole gathering, making sure we're sounding good. So, we're going uh, to be in the Bible today, and, uh, um, and so I, I had Courtney and those guys make sure that there's lots of Bibles. So, there's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you, and this is not the point in the gathering where the guy up front says, take out your Bible, and then you're like... Whatever. Uh, really do have a Bible in front of you. So, hey, grab, grab a Bible. Yep, yep, yep. Bibles, Bibles. Pass them out. Let's go. Everybody needs a Bible. We've got extras here. These are brand new. It's the same version that I'll be using. Okay? Who's, who needs it? Who needs one? Yep, yep. You guys can share. You look like friends. Yep, yep. <laughs> who else? Who else needs one? Right here. Okay? Share. Sharing is caring. Yep, yep. More? There's some on the tables back here. Yes, exactly. Let's go. Let's go. This is... Here we go. Yep, yep, uh-huh. There we are. Every Bible needs to be in use. I know there's some of you guys that don't have them in the back. You got them? Got them? Hold them up. Hold them up if you got them. Hold them up. Come on. If you're not holding it up, one's going to hit you right between the eyes. You got one? You got it? There we go. Yep, see? You guys are afraid I was going to throw them at it. Yep. Come on, hold it up. Right back here. You got them? Yep. Okay. You got one in the back? Yep. Who needs one? Yes. Can I, can I toss it? Can I toss it? Two hands. Look it in. Look at it. Oh, wow. Tipped past. That was... All right. Matthew. We're, we're in the book of Matthew. Open up to Matthew chapter 5, please. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew's in the New Testament. I'm starting to realize I don't think my voice recovers from Sunday till maybe Thursday or Friday. So this will be interesting. Matthew chapter 5, uh, the last quarter of your Bibles, um, you guys know fractions yet? Quarter is like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> my kids are younger. <laughs> so Matthew 5 is toward the back of the Bible, and uh, these ones that we passed out, uh, no, go that way, go that way, yep, yep, there we go, go that way, yep. So if you're in there, yeah, there you go, okay, you got, yep, page 473, 473, if you got one of these ones that we threw out there. 473, thank you, thank you. 
Now, you guys are wondering, why, why am I making such a big deal about everybody having Bibles? Have you ever heard uh, God speak to you um, audibly? Have you ever heard that? Like an audible voice of God. You see it in movies and stuff. Go over here. Yeah, you know, like, a, you ever heard an audible voice of God? Now, if you heard God audibly speak to you, specifically, like he said your name, and uh, what's your name? Josh. Josh, and he came to Josh, and he said, Josh... And he said something to Josh. Wouldn't you, right, you'd kind of get a little nervous, right? You'd probably, your eyes would open a little wider, your heartbeat, maybe even right now, your heartbeat's going a little faster. And, and you, you'd get nervous, like you would, you would listen to what he says and you would respond, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you go, that is true, that's legit, I'm going to respond to that. If you heard an audible voice of God. Now here, listen to this, listen to this. We're not going to turn there. But in the book of 2 Peter, which is very near the end of the, the Bible, Peter, who was like Matthew, we're in Matthew's, Matthew's gospel here, the account that Matthew wrote down. Matthew and Peter were both eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. They walked around with Jesus, like as real as, as you and me in the flesh. Like they were, they were walking around, they could high five, although in those days they probably didn't high five. I don't know what they did. Um, Sam may know. They fist bumped. You think they did? I don't know if that's biblical. But there's some, like, they could literally, in the flesh, they were with Jesus, okay? Peter, Matthew, and the other disciples, the guys who followed them. And Peter says in his letter at the end of the New Testament, he, he, talks, he talks about how, in chapter 1, how he's at the end of his life, and he talks about how he's writing, he's writing these things down, and then he talks about how, how, the, how there, there is a, like he heard the audible voice of God from heaven, and this is on what we call the Mount of Transfigurations in Matthew 19, and he's up there with James and John, and they hear the audible voice of God say from heaven about Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They heard it. All right, audible voice, Josh, audible voice, right? It was Josh, right? Yeah. You know the thing where you forget the name right after you learn it? Yeah. I wish I didn't, ha yeah, my brain too. Just you and me, yeah, yeah. So, they heard that audible voice, dude, and, and, it was, um, and it was real. It was from heaven, and Jesus is there. They, Jesus in the flesh. They hear God say, this is my son. Well, please. And you know what Peter says in 2 Peter 1? He says that in the prophetic word, which when he continues talking, he's talking about the Bible, Scripture. He says, you have something. Listen to this. He says, you have something more sure than even that that audible voice. You have something that's more sure. Like it's better for you not simply to be there with Jesus in the flesh, but to have the word of God, to have the Bible, that this is the voice of God. So for some of you, you're like, you know, I, I think for maybe all of us in here tonight, minus maybe a few, we go, yeah, I've never heard the audible voice of God. But as we read this Bible tonight, like as I'm reading this out loud, you're going to hear the audible voice of God. I, like I, this isn't a joke. You're going to hear the audible voice of God because this is the word of God this is the word of God. Peter himself, an eyewitness who walked with Jesus, said this is even more sure than hearing a voice come from heaven. And then he says, he goes on to say, and, and, and we ought to pay attention to it like a lamp shining in a dark place uh, until the morning sun rises in our hearts. And, um, and so Courtney said something last week in her message uh, when she was preaching the first part of this series where she was saying something about getting to know Jesus through the word. I thought that was a really good statement. Um, and, uh, and that's what's happening. 
as you hear the voice of God, as you hear the word of God spoken, this is why when you hear me on Sundays or when you hear Sam or Courtney or anyone else preach here, this is why we read the Bible out loud and we go back and we read through it and we read through it and we read through it. And we don't want to ever just sprinkle in random Bible verses to try to support, you know, the other million things that we say. We want to get in here, see what it says, read it out loud, stay in it, and find out what God would tell us, okay? So... Some of you are going to go home tonight and say, Mom, I, I heard the audible voice of God. She's going to be like, oh! And, yes, Josh, I want to do it. Right? And then you're going to go, you want to hear what he said? And you're going to read this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Hear, hear it. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. This is verse 6 of chapter 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the voice of God, what we just read there, speaking to you, speaking to me. Let's go back through it, okay? Start at verse 5, because we got, we're going to learn how to pray. And, and, you know, I was thinking about it when you guys were singing and stuff, walking around in the back, and, and um, like... As I look back over my life, I, I, you know, with my family and different things, but when I think personally about my life with, with, with God, I mean, there's two things that I remember throughout my life. I remember the Bible, and I remember prayer. And I, and I was just thinking through all the different times. Um, I was kind of a little Pharisee at times, um, for sure. Pharisees were the guys who would, um, like, wear their righteousness before others or wear their religion before others so that people would be like, look at how religious they are. And I can remember, I had this little adventure Bible that had pictures in it. And, um, you know, like, it wasn't nowadays where it's like all pictures. There was like seven and like a thousand pages of text and seven pictures. And, uh, but the one of Jonah and the whale, man, that'll freak you out if you look at that one right before bedtime. Woo! <laughs> it's like it's this ominous whale behind him, like, I'm going to eat you. Although it was a great fish, not a whale. Some of you Bible trivia guys are gone. He doesn't know his Bible. Um, so, so it was a great fish. It wasn't actually a whale, but, but I would take that adventure Bible and whenever my grandma would come over and my grandma like loves the Lord to this day, she's like almost 90 and, and she's like real faithful and, uh, and she would come over and I would take my, I, I remember I was like five years old. I would take my adventure Bible and I would walk out into the, uh, into the like living room area and there was this little heater vent, you know, um, and I would walk over to this heater vent with my Bible and I'd like look at grandma. You know, and I'd sit down, you know, when you sit down when you're a kid and like the heater goes up your shirt and you're like sitting there, you know, and I would sit down at five years old and I would open my adventure Bible 
I don't think I could read at the time, <laughs> but I would be like, you know, and my, I could hear my grandma say to my mom and dad, she'd be like, oh, he just loves the Lord, you know, and, and nah, he's a Pharisee. That little guy is a Pharisee. I was thinking about that, and um, prayer, man. I remember one time my sister, uh, Anna, uh, my younger sister, she's about two years younger than me, and uh, she got left at a baseball field one time, okay, at a park. <laughs> and, you know, it's like mom and dad, my older sister had a softball game, I had a baseball game, Anna was like hanging out, and, and both parents thought the other one had her, you know, and they come back home, and we only live like eight minutes away, but they, they drive back home, and I just remember, like, them getting home and realizing nobody had Anna, right? <laughs> Hopefully not someone else, uh, and so they're like, ah, you know, and they jump in the, the van, and we had, like, this Volkswagen van, this big, like, VW uh, van, brown, and uh, I, uh, and I was in the, I remember I was in the middle seat, and I just remember being freaked out then Anna would get, like, kidnapped or something, right? She was probably seven. I was probably, like, nine. And I remember praying my guts out, right? Just, like, I don't remember what I'm saying, but I'm just, like, praying. Oh, God. And I'm sitting in that seat, and I'm, like, sick, you know, out of my stomach, worrying about Because my parents were like, oh, she could be taken. You know, I mean, I'm thinking now, I got a nine-year-old. I got a, you know, almost six-year-old, a three-year-old, a ten-year-old. And thinking about that, wow, right? And so they drive back to the thing, and, and lo and behold, they show up, and, you know, um, the people who did the snack bar, the snack booth, you know, uh, that would sell the snacks, uh, they, they were, like, still hanging out, and they knew my family, and they had let Anna come in there and just, like, eat as much candy as she wanted. <laughs> so she was like, it's Christmas, and everybody's, like, crying and freaking out. But, um, but again, that was just, that's a moment I remember prayer, Right? And, and in, throughout my life, um, you know, I think just the, the presence of God and learning, learning to know the presence of God, learning the word of God and going from a Pharisee to someone who actually read it for not, not just in front of grandma, but, but, but who read it um, and, and, and began to learn it and began to get in there. Now, now for you guys, this is another thing I thought when, when we were um, singing there, like there's a way that you... At, at your age, for you guys, and again, I'm speaking to students here, and I mean, really, this is probably for any of us, right, for your age, that as a teenager, as a, a, a young adult, it is so easy to, to be a hypocrite, and I mean, I mean it in this way, to, because hypocrite, we're going to see it here, we saw it in our text in verse 5, hypocrite, because, and, and that's not, you know, an insult here, this is just saying to, to play act, to perform in a drama that is not really who you are. And when you go to school, there's one way that you perform. When you're on a sports team, there's another way that you perform. When you're in the theater department, there's another way you perform. When you're in the band, there's another way you perform. And when you're at church, there's another way you perform. And, and it's, it's, uh, that it is so hard, it is so hard to not live that way when you're, when you're, uh, when you're growing up, when you're your guys' age. And, um, and I want to encourage you that you don't have to live that way. It'll be difficult, but um, you can live out the kingdom of God and live for Jesus and learn to live for Jesus. And I think you have a community here where, uh, where we will champion that for you and with you. So let's get into this um, because truly, hypocrites don't pray. They don't have a secret life with God. 
They don't have an underneath-the-surface life uh, with God. And um, everything you see of a hypocrite is, is above the surface, and there's not a lot going on underneath except for fear or hurt or anything else, okay? So um, we're, we, we don't want to be hypocrites, and, uh, and we want to we be real. And, and this is going to talk about prayer in that regard, okay? So look at what it says, verse 5. Let's go back through it. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. You guys ready? Are you seriously ready? You're like, he's not Sam. He's Andrew. Come on, guys. Do I have to do an accent of some sort? I listened to the last two uh, citizens' messages, and I'm like, is that required that you have to do a crazy accent? <laughs> last week, it was like 37 of them, Court. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and then Sam's doing this Israel accent, uh, which is not at all an Israel accent. Uh, not doing it. I'm not going to do that. Not even one time. Okay? All right. Verse 5. You're like, what was that? All right. Verse 5. And when you pray, and again, like Courtney talked last week, this is a when statement. So like when you give to the needy, verse 2, like, like it's understood that those who, those who live for Jesus, those who are in the kingdom, they give. Those who live for Jesus, those who are in the kingdom, they pray, right? And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. Skip to verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay? Number one here. You ready? When you pray, don't play. That's the basic thing from verses 5, 7, and 8. This is really common in the Bible, really common in the teaching of Jesus, that you'll hear, don't do this, don't do this, do this. Or not this, but this, not this. And that's what we get here. We get a not this, then we get a this, and then we get a not this, not this, okay? So verses 5, 7, and 8 tell us what not to do. When you pray, don't play. It's not a play thing, right? So look what it says. And when you pray, you must not be like the who? Not the Gentiles. That's coming later. Thanks for paying attention, though. When you pray, you must not be like the? Hypocrites. hypocrites. For what about these hypocrites? What about these guys? What, what, what's the deal with them? They love to stand and pray in the synagogue. Man, I just want to, you know, they love it. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue. They love to get up front, right? And they, they come up to the front, and they... They love to stand and pray in the synagogue. This synagogue, again, is this gathering place where they would gather, uh, and, and, you know, the word of God would be taught, and, and there would be prayers. But then they also love to pray at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. It's all above the surface for them. Um, prayer is not a Two things here, okay? From verse 5, prayer is not a performance for others. It's not. You guys ever see those videos that, like, go viral of guys? Uh, any of you guys watch NASCAR? I don't. Any of you? Okay. You know these, like, NASCAR prayers? You know, be in Alabama somewhere at a racetrack, and a guy will pray. There was one a few years ago, and it got shared around Facebook and everything, and he's like, dear baby Jesus and my smoking hot wife and yada, yada, yada. Right? You remember that? Okay. Not Ricky Bobby, but it was, like, real life, okay? It wasn't a movie. And I was thinking about that, right? And you see that kind of stuff where... They're praying in front of thousands of people, but they're throwing in all these things that'll make the crowd laugh. 
you know? Prayer's not a performance for other people. Like, you know what I'm saying? What if I was like talking to you, right? And, and me and you are talking, okay? And as I'm talking to you, there's someone right beyond you that I'm trying to impress, right? And so I'm like talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, I really want to impress this guy. So I'm like, yeah. And I keep like kind of looking at that person. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? And you're looking right past the person right in front of you. Now, this is Josh. Josh, right? <laughs> it's like the second time you forget, right? So this is, I didn't forget though. I said Josh. I didn't say John. I didn't say Job. I said Josh. I got it right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be friends by the end of this. So, so I'm talking to Josh, but I'm looking right past Josh, the person behind him. And, and, and you can tell, right? You can tell when someone doesn't want to talk to you, when they're performing for another person. What if he's God? No, you're not, okay? <laughs> He's like, I came here because I know I'm not. But you're not God, okay? He's not God. But what if you treat God that way? Seriously. And that's what, like, you get it to pray in front of people like it's a performance. And this doesn't mean you don't pray in front. I and mean, Courtney just had a, a very heartfelt, real, authentic, godly, biblical prayer in front of you. We, we're told in the Bible as we get together in times like this as the church that we're to pray together, publicly pray together right? And that we're to, supposed to devote ourselves to prayer, not only individually, but together. So, so you should pray, and, and sometimes that prayer will be with other people, but it's not a performance for them. If it is, picture yourself standing before the God of the entire universe and just looking right past them to the people you're trying to impress, to the people you're trying to, to look to. So number one, prayer is not a performance for other people. As I said, hypocrites means assuming a role in a dramatic production, um, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, don't perform for others. Okay, secondly, verses 7 and 8, okay, let's look at it again. Ready? This is the word of the Lord. Look what it says. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the who? Gentiles. Good, you're still paying attention. As the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So prayer is not a performance for others, but secondly, guys, when you pray, don't play. This is still under this. Prayer is not a sales pitch to God. It's not a sales pitch to God. <laughs> Sam, see, I remember telling you guys this story about the vacuum cleaner salesman. Oh, come on. He's never told that in here? Oh, man. It's that moment where you're thinking about if you should tell someone else's story. Oh, man. Remind him, to, remind him to tell you that he could tell it so much better than me because the details are hilarious, man. Oh, my goodness. Okay, but, but Sam had this really pushy vacuum cleaner salesman one time that came to his house and then ended up, like, inviting herself into their house, and him and Jordan are there, and, like, he's never told you guys this story? No. Oh, man, it's amazing. And, and, and so, and they kept, like, they had their vacuum cleaner, and they kept going through everything with it. And, uh, and kept trying, and it went, and it's like two hours, three hours, like in his living room with the vacuum cleaner all taken apart. And then Sam's like, this is over. We need to stop this. Can you go away? <laughs> and, and the lady's like, and George is cooking dinner, and the lady's like, that smells really good. What are you having? You know, like inviting herself over for dinner. You've never heard this? All right, all right, all right. Okay, we'll stop there. But, but uh, it's amazing, but it's insane as well. You're like, what? This sales pitch, where like it never stops, where, where you keep going and going. This phrase here, look at it, verse 7, empty phrases as the Gentiles do. 
That means to babble, prattle, on and on and on and on and on, like a sales pitch. And so not only do we not perform for others, but, but prayer is not a sales pitch to God, right? We can pour out our heart to God, but it's not this, uh, you know, empty phrases and empty phrases and empty phrases. And, you know, there's lots of ways, I think, that, that you hear people pray at times. Um, you ever heard anybody pray in, like, straight up King James? Thou and thee, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, this formalized phrases over and over again. Um, uh, you know, I think when we're first learning to pray, at times we can just get real repetitive with, like, the Lord's name. Like, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. And every other thing, Lord God. And, and, and if that is the way that you pray, particularly if that's the way you pray with others, uh, is that the way you pray on your own? And if you do, slow down. Slow down. I mean, I know that's, like, super practical, but just slow down. There's nothing wrong when you pray of pausing and waiting and thinking about what you're going to say. And this isn't because God's up there, you know, with his arms folded and being like, hey, get on with it. That's not the character of God, as we're going to see in just a minute. He's a father. He wants to hear from you. But if my daughter, any one of my daughters, I have four daughters, any one of them comes up to me and, and you know, they're, and they, they're babbling. You know what I'll do? I'll go, hey, breathe. It's okay. I can hear you. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to sell anything on me. I know you better than you even know yourself. Just talk to me, okay? You can be real. And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. So um, you don't need to rehearse for him. You don't need to perform for him. He knows. Here, here's the thing. Listen to this. He knows the real you. God knows the real you. Psalm 139, which I want to come and preach one of you guys' camps and, and, and preach through that for you. Because that Psalm 139 talks about how deeply God knows us. He knows, uh, before a word is on your tongue, he knows it all together. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. He kn- <laughs> Psalm 139 talks about how he knit you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Like, he knows every bit about you that you don't even know yourself. He knows it all. So there's no reason to put on a facade in front of God. So when you pray, don't play. You don't have to play the part for others. You don't have to play the part for God. You are free to pray because your father loves you. We've seen how not to pray. Now let's see how to pray. Verse six, look at it. Look what it says. It's the word of the Lord. But when you pray, so you see how not to pray. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, just talk to your father who forgives you. That's it. It's simple. Just talk to your father who forgives you. Prayer flows, and I, and I want to get this phrase into your, into your heads, right? Into your brain space, okay? Into the gray matter there between your ears. Listen to me. Prayer flows from a secret life with a saving father, okay? A secret life with God. Now, seek, this word secret means hidden or private. This doesn't mean that you cannot or should not pray in public, right? It's actually a play on words. The, the Greek word for hypocrite um, sounds, hypocriti uh, sounds just like this word for secret, which is kryptos, like think cryptic, right? Same, same thing. And so it's a play on words. And, 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 and so this isn't about that every single prayer has to be in secret. I mean, we see in the Bible, the book of Daniel, Daniel opens up the windows and prays there and they see him. He gets thrown into the lion's den and um, that ended up okay for him. But... Um, but not for the lions. They were so hungry after that. They were like, man, I wanted a snack. But <laughs> that's biblical. And so, um, but, 
but there's this secret life with God. There's this, there's this below the surface that is not simply for everyone else to see. Now, when you hear secret life, what do you think? Right? When we hear secret, when we hear hidden, we think dirty, shameful, wrong, right? That's what we think about. Because the things that we hide from other people, the things that we even maybe try to hide from ourselves are usually those sinful, those wrong things, right? And yet, this is showing us that this secret, this secret life with God is uh, if you have Jesus in your life, if you're living in his kingdom, he gives you his spirit within you. And your secret life doesn't have to be sinful and shameful and wrong. Your secret life is your real life, is the core of who you are. And, uh, and that can be a secret life that flows with prayer to your saving father. Now, secondly, um, this is the Lord's prayer. You guys know this, this prayer, verse 9? Look at what it says. Pray then like this. So he told us how not to pray. Now he tells us how to pray. Pray then like this. You ready? Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay, you guys got the Bible. You got it open on your laps. You're sharing with your neighbor or you have your own copy. That's wonderful. So look at the Bible, and we're going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to say, pray then like this, and I'm going to go as slow as possible. I can tend to read a little faster, but I'm going to try to go slower, and we are going to read this together. Most of us have the same version. Uh, if yours is a little different, just read it out. I don't think anybody's going to like lose their mind if you say transgressions or over, over debts or something. Okay, so we're going to read this prayer together. This is called the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer? Right? You've learned the Lord Prayer. This is something to memorize. This is something to know. There's another version in Luke that's a little bit longer. But, but uh, okay, so verse 9, okay? Pray then like this, and then we're going to all together. We're going to read this, okay? And I may look up while we're reading it because I think I probably have this memorized. And if you're not reading, I may throw my Bible at you or something embarrassing may happen. So I would definitely get a Bible and start reading. <laughs> okay, here we go. Pray then like this, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There it is. This is the Lord's prayer. Okay, prayer, hear, hear me. Prayer adores our father and acknowledges that we need him. That's what we see here in the Lord's prayer. There's a ton of books written on this. There's a million ways you can break it down. But, but basically, prayer, as we see here, this is, G this is the one place that we find in the Gospels, and it's repeated in Luke, where Jesus says, pray like this. And he gives us an example of how to pray. So this is like the major place you want to learn how to pray that you would probably go in the Bible and the Psalms as well, of course. But um, just to break it down a little bit, it starts, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So your name is great. Your name is holy. Then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will is perfect. Give us this day our daily bread. Your hand is generous. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Your mercy is sweet. And finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your direction delivers me. There's another way you can break this down, and the acronym is ACTS. A-C-T-S, okay? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. How many of you guys know what supplication means? It means asking. That's why I put that parentheses up there. 
on the screen. <laughs> okay. You're like, oh, I'm just supplicating. Huh. What? Asking. So adoration, you're adoring God, you're acknowledging his name. Confession, you're, you're, you're pouring your heart out to God, right? Thanksgiving, you're thanking God for what he's done. Supplication, then you're asking God for things. If you don't, if you don't have a pattern like this within prayer, prayer so, so often becomes simply like a, um, uh, God, I need you. God, my little sister got left at the park and I think she was kidnapped, you know, and I'm gonna call out to you, right? And that was me at nine, that's not me today. Like, 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 your prayer life with God, and it will develop over time, but that secret life below the surface with God for you, citizens, as you're walking with Jesus, as it develops, there will, it, it will grow more biblical. You'll get more informed by scriptures, and it, you won't simply go to God when you're looking for something or go to God when you're struggling. And friends, there are, there are we, we've got adults in our church. We've got people in our church 55 years old and beyond who, who, who would struggle with that, and they'll, they'll come, even if they've been in church for a long time, and they'll say, hey, um, things are really bad, and I need prayer. And, and, and the relationship with God is simply, if everything's going cool, everything's, all right, cool, but, but I'm not gonna pray until I really, really need it. And this is a lesson that we're gonna learn over and over and over again in our lives. I, like, I'm a pastor. I do this for my job. I, I've been doing this for years and uh, uh, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you. So uh, um, the month of August, okay, I'm getting old, okay? I am, I'm getting older, all right? And, uh, and um, I'm 37 years old uh, right now. I got here when I was 29 to this church. And um, Shug forever, Cody, Shug forever. Shug forever. <laughs> if you're from the Shug, say Shug forever. Shug forever. forever. All right, so. Suddenly, there are only four of us from the shoe. What's going on here? People are moving away during the gathering. Odd. So, so I, I, um, I was working on the house. We sold our house and moved to Washougal this summer. And, um, and the month of August, I was working on the house, and I just woke up, and my shoulders started hurting me, right? And normally, when, you know, something hurts, it's because I've injured it, I've fallen over, or whatever else, and or lifting weights, or doing something, or running, and, and I'll, I'll pull something. But I did not know how my shoulder got injured, okay? And when I went to the doctor, the doctor said, this is, uh, you're getting older. <laughs> this is legit what the doctor said. Those injuries that used to uh, take like two weeks to get through, you know? She goes, um, yeah, those will take like four to six weeks now. I'm like, what injuries? My shoulder's just is killing me. And I could not lift my arm for like uh, three or four weeks. It was, um, uh, we, in fact, the end of that time, we went to Disneyland and, you know, I had my four daughters there, my wife, and we're, we're going through. And I could not, e I was pushing the stroller. I could not even lift my arm to put a hand on the stroller as we're pushing it because my, my, it's just throbbing, right? My shoulder it was tendonitis in my rotator cuff, right? Um, and I couldn't lift it. Horrible. They gave me some medication for it. It wasn't working. And so I'm going with this injury for like four or five weeks, okay? Arms like dead. It's just horrible. And uh, second day at Disneyland, it's like we get back, and I'm like, I'm dying, right, And uh, uh, in pain. And I look at my wife, and I go, will you pray for me? <laughs> right? And so she prays for me. And um, the next day, it felt a little bit better. And the day after that, it felt a little bit better and a little bit better. This is like over a month ago now. Every day, it's gotten better. Like, it just took a turn. And it wasn't like I had, I, at that point, I, had, I was like, not taking medication anymore. It was like I had run out, and it just started to get better. And, and so now, like, miraculously, was I like, I can lift 500 pounds? No, <laughs> but 
I look at that, and what I learned through that situation is I still have a very sinful heart. I still am very self-reliant. Um, I'm in the Word every day. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm doing these things. And I can still go for four weeks with incredible pain in my shoulder and not even pray about it. And so what I learned through that is we never, we never finish learning these lessons, okay? We never finish learning these lessons. And, uh, and as my shoulder has gotten better and better and better, um, I, every single day I'm just reminded of the fact that even in my self-reliance, I'm learning to trust the Lord, right? For Because you know, there's some things that were like, no, I don't need to, you know. You, ever, you have like a, a mom or, 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 or an aunt or something in your life, someone in your life who will pray about everything, loses their keys, um, traffic, finding a parking space, uh, you know, going to go get apples at the store, <laughs> like pray for apples that are fresh, you know, and I think we look at that at times and get real cynical, and we go, right, he's our father, he's our father, it doesn't mean that every single time you pray because you lost your keys or your phone or something like that. Some of you are like, you don't pray till you lose your phone, right? <laughs> and you're like, whoa, heart in heaven, where's my phone? But, um, but he's our heavenly father. He wants to hear from us. And, um, and, 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 and let's find out here at the very, very end, last couple verses, uh, one final thing about prayer. Look what it says. For if you forgive others their trespasses, verse 14, look at 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Third, final thing here. When you pray, fellowship with God. Again, this relationship with God flows from forgiveness. Forgiveness that has been given to you by your Father. He has bridged that gap between you and him through his son Jesus. And forgiveness that's required from you for others. Now, um... And so I think the major thing that we see here is that you are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. Write that down. That's on your sheets there. You are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. <clears throat> you are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. In fact, it's on your little sheets here on the inside, right-hand side, big idea. You are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. So the words to fill in there are pray and forgive, okay? You are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. Now, check this out. We're in, we're in Matthew chapter 6 right now. And you know why we have the book of Matthew? You know why we have the book of Mark and Luke and John and First and Second Peter like I talked about before? Why do we have these books? Because the guys who walked face-to-face -face with Jesus along, were told by Jesus to go into all the world and make followers of him, make disciples of him, right? The Great Commission. It's at the end of the book of Matthew. And when they were dying off, if you walk face-to-face -face with Jesus... You can, you can walk through and you can say, hey, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus taught. But when you die, who's going to do that? Hey, I met this guy, Peter. Yeah, and then he said, this is what Jesus said and did. And then the next generation, the next generation, 2,000 years later, we would be built upon like this grand rumor, <laughs> right? Like our whole faith would be like, yeah, back a couple thousand years ago, this guy and 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 this guy. And this. No, that first generation, when they were dying off, what did they do? They wrote it down. That's why we have the Bible. You realize that? Because they were dying off. They were eyewitnesses to it. And they said, we have to pass it. So they wrote it down. In a day where there wasn't like, 
oh yeah, dude, let me grab my MacBook Pro and I'll uh, just type up the book of Second Peter real quick. You know, that didn't happen. That wasn't a thing, okay? Writing things down, scrolls, parchment paper. They wrote, you know the language they wrote in in the New Testament? They wrote in Koine Greek. Koine Greek is, is, is like the language that people spoke on the street corner. It wasn't this high classical thing that people knew of in the academy. You didn't have to be educated to know Koine Greek. Just the normal common tongue that people would speak all throughout the empire. And so they wrote in a language of the people so that people would know firsthand through the word of God, right? So God inspired them to write it down. But now, now, okay, we're in Matthew 6 here, and I could tell you all about prayer, and you are, you, you, you are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive, and then we could think, you could go away from here and go, okay, I gotta pray, I gotta pray, I gotta pray, I gotta pray. That's not what I want you to walk away with. Matthew chapter 6 is one part of a picture. Matthew's whole eyewitness account, you gotta zoom out a little bit, okay? So as we zoom out, with the book of Matthew, we're going to look here towards the end. We're just going to look and see um, where Matthew goes with this. Because if we preach the two kingdoms, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we tell you simply, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, we're, we're selling you on a religion, not on Jesus, okay? Don't, you, can't, you can't pray this way if you don't know Jesus. You can't pray this way if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. If you know Jesus, you trust him with your life, you, you, you confess your sin and you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. If you know Jesus, right, and you're a Christian, you're, we call it being a Christian or being saved, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10. If you know Jesus, he gives, it says he gives you his spirit. And that is the only way you're gonna be able to pray. That's the only way, as Courtney talked last week, that you're gonna be able to give, Right? You can give and not know Jesus. It's possible. There are a lot of super generous people out there that don't know God. And yet, if you're giving simply because somebody's telling you, hey, you need to give, and you don't know Jesus, it's just a religion. It's just a dead religion. That's not going to get you anywhere. So we got to zoom out a little bit and, and, and see what's going on here. So we got forgiveness. Now, let's turn, turn in your Bibles. I know this is, is going to be, uh, it's going to cause you to have to turn some pages. But turn towards your right, just like seven pages to Matthew chapter 18, okay? That's right, that's right, uh-huh. Towards the end of the Bible, there you go. Nice, great form. So you turn, yeah, keep going. And we got here Matthew, there we go. Uh, nope, too far. Um, so Matthew chapter 18, page 480, 481, if you got those Bibles we provided for you, okay? Matthew 18. And this is a story from Jesus, right? Because he, he talks about in Matthew 6, forgiving others. And so we want to follow that thread of forgiveness through Matthew a little bit and find out about what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, right? We got two kingdoms we're talking about here. This is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Man, that's huge. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant, was that an accent? Don't count that. So his fellow servant 
fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to everyone of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a crazy, crazy story here. And it's a parable. It's, you know, like a, like a metaphor kind of. And um, Jesus says that there's a master and he's got these servants who owe him debt. And one of these servants comes. What was that debt? 10,000 talents. This isn't like talent show where he's like one, two, three, you know, 10,000 times. If so, that'd be super rad. But that wasn't it. Talent, a talent was a, like a measurement of like gold or silver. You know how much one talent would, how much you would have to work to get one talent in that day? Average person, 16 to 20 years. 16 to 20 years, you work every single day. And after like 20 years, you've got a talent. How much did the servant owe him? 10,000 talents. If you're keeping track today, that's like 200,000 years of work. Like that dude could have started right then and then like today, 2018, he still has like 198,000 years to go, right? Before he's ready to pay. It's, it's like, a, it, it's so high. It's like when we, we talk about numbers, a million, billion trillion, and then we just start making up things with alien on the end. Alien. It's like a number that is so astronomical, there's no way that this is ever going to be paid. And that's that first servant. He owes that to the master. He pleads with him. The master says, go, you're forgiven. He turns around, and there's another guy who owes him 100 denarii. A denarii was a day's wages. It's like three months. So he owed the master 200,000 years worth of money. This guy owed him three months worth of money. He comes and chokes him. Give me what you owe me, right? So they report on him to the master, and the master says, you're wicked, throws him into prison. And did you notice that? Until he could pay the very last penny, meaning never. He's never getting out. And then this is the kicker at the very, very end. Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness. You are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. There's an open heaven between you and God if you have Jesus in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you because God's pleased to forgive you. And so we're told elsewhere in the book of Matthew, don't go before God if you got something going on between you and your brother or sister, between you and another person. Forgive it, work it out, right? just as your father has forgiven you. So that's huge. That's that forgiveness lesson. Now go forward because now you're going, okay, how do I, how do I get forgiven? I, I'm free to pray because God's pleased to forgive, but what do I do? Again, zoom the picture out a little bit further in the book of Matthew. Last time we're gonna turn, I know, I know, I'm getting really tired of turning pages. Turn just a few pages further to Matthew chapter 27 and 28. Very end of the book of Matthew, last part of the book. And... Um, I'll tell you what, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is not good news without Matthew 27 and 28. It's just not. It's good teaching from Jesus, but it's not good news. 
Because if you try to keep Matthew 5, 6, and 7 without Matthew 27 and 28, man, you're going to have a dead, religious, empty life, okay? Because you cannot do that. What Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 means nothing outside of what Jesus did in Matthew 27 and 28. You got to take the whole book of Matthew, okay? Because what he did, you got to read the end of the story there. What he did on the cross, as we're going to read, this provides that way for us to receive forgiveness of God. This is the good news of the gospel, okay? Look at it. Chapter 27, verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the, all the land until the ninth hour. This is, Jesus is hanging on the cross here. He's dying. He's been beaten beyond recognition, um, uh, so unrecognizable that Isaiah 53 says that, you know, people would turn their face away because it was like they wanted to throw up, basically, when they saw how marred and beaten he was. About the ninth hour, verse 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put on it a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple, look at this, verse 51. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion, this is this like Roman guy that's, that's there attending the circumcision, or, or the uh, uh, crucifixion. Not the circumcision, the crucifixion. When the centurion and those who, stay with me, I know, I know, crazy slip. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. Okay, so here he is, Jesus dying on the cross. Got it? Stay with me. Jesus dying on the cross, yields up his spirit. And what does it say in verse 51? The, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, tombs were open. Fast forward, chapter 28, here we go. They come, to the, they come to the tomb three days later, and look what it says, verse five. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. Down to verse 16, last part of the book. Look what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the voice of God. This is the truth of God. So you're free to pray. You're free to pray and go to God because he's pleased to forgive, okay? And how does he forgive? How is there a place for you in the house of God? How is there a place for you in the family of God? How? He sends his son to take your place. Picture that you're living on a street corner, right? You don't have a home. You don't have a family. You have a little space on, on, a, on a corner of an alley, like four by five, and that's where you live. You're out there in the cold at night. 
It's dirty. It's dangerous. You're exposed. And you can see in the distance there's a mansion. And you pass by it as you're looking for food and whatever else. But you have no opportunity to go there, right? The message of the gospel is that that mansion belongs to God. And that place on the street corner, Jesus came out of that mansion, took your spot there so that you could take his spot with God, the Father, right? And that's what happens in the crucifixion, resurrection. He makes a way for you. He makes a way for you to be forgiven by God. A debt that you could never pay, he makes a way for that to be paid. You are free to pray because God is pleased to forgive. He's pleased to forgive. So for you tonight, students, like, it's super, super tempting, as I said at the very beginning, to live a life of hypocrisy, right? To live a life before other people that just, you know, you appear in a certain way, you put on that mask wherever you're at, and you... You do whatever you can do as a defense mechanism. I mean, think about, think about living on that street corner in that four-by-four four spot. And anybody who comes by that spot, you're going to defend yourself. You're going to try to keep them away from you. Um, you're going to try to keep what is yours. And that's the way we live. It's easy to live that way when we're exposed, when we're left out in the cold. But there's a place for you in the mansion with God. There's a place for you that Jesus has made, okay? You don't have to live that way. There's legit no excuse to live that way. No matter where you're from, no matter what your home life is like, no matter what your, your, your role is that you play at school, if you're an athlete or you're a smart kid or you're, you know, a, 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 what's the term you use, Courtney, like with a Harry Potter, like a nerd, okay? <laughs> whatever it may be, right? Nothing against Harry Potter. But, uh, but whatever it may be, that role that you play in front of other people that way that you appear, that mask that you put on, that thing that you think, okay, this, I, found my, I found my spot, I just got to stay in this lane here. Whatever that may be, whatever that may be, you don't, have to, you don't have to live that. You don't have to put on those masks. You don't have to live that way. Christ has made a way for you. You're free to pray. You're free to talk to your father because he's pleased to forgive you. He's done it through his son. Let's pray. Band, you guys can come up. Lord, I pray for these students tonight, these citizens. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for how you're working. Thank you for what you're doing in them. Thank you for this community. Lord, your word is powerful. Your word is real. We've read through it in the book of Matthew a lot tonight. Matthew chapter 6, chapter 18, chapters 27 and 28. We know that this is the voice of God. This is your voice speaking to us. I pray for these students, these leaders tonight. I thank you, God, that you're working in this community. I pray tonight that even through my words, imperfect as they are, that your true and pure word would come through. And Lord, you would help us to get beyond the masks that we wear, the labels that we put on ourselves. I pray for those students who are here that when we're talking about forgiveness, forgiving the debts of other people um, as we've been forgiven by you, Lord, that maybe a name came to mind, uh, a friend, someone at school, a family member, a brother, a sister, a parent, that they're holding something back, that they're bitter toward, that they're, maybe they've been hurt, seriously hurt. God, I pray that tonight 
by your grace, that your spirit would work in each heart. For those who are following you and have your spirit in them, that you would free them tonight to forgive, Lord. As crazy as that may be in whatever circumstance they're in, that you would free them tonight to forgive. For those who are here who have never received your forgiveness by trusting in Jesus, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would draw them by your spirit, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them that, that opportunity to um, just, as your spirit works in them, to call to you their heavenly father, to be forgiven of their sin so that they can live out this life of prayer as citizens of the kingdom. Thank you for this night, Lord. We honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, why don't you stand to your feet? <clears throat> you can sing.